Getting value on your shopping has never been more important. That's why at SuperValue we have great offers for a quality summer. Shop hundreds of low prices online at supervalue.ie and get them hand-picked and delivered to your door. Order before 12 noon for same-day delivery or collection. Plus, when you download our new Real Rewards app, you'll get money off vouchers every single week. That's low prices that compete with anyone. Supervalue. Real food. Real people. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with the all-new Nissan Qashqai. Now electrified with mild hybrid power. See Nissan.ie. It's time once again to talk to Gavin Dowd for In Your Defence, where he takes us through an interesting legal case in history. Gavin, how are you? Good, Jonathan. How are you? Not too bad. We have not one but two cases to discuss this week, but there is a common theme, the first of which is Dudley and Stevens. Yeah, well, I, generally what I wanted to get at is this age-old moral question, uh, Jonathan, which is, could it ever be justified, for example, to steal, to feed your starving children? Uh, the law kind of has an answer for us. So, yeah, let's start with Dudley and Stevens and go back to 1884. So this is, you know, the stuff of children's storybooks, the start of this case. You have four men stuck at sea. They get caught in a storm. It's 1884. They haven't got navigational equipment. They haven't got radars that they have nowadays. So they hop into a lifeboat. They hop into the lifeboat and they turn out to be castaways. They're they're lost at sea and they have, like, their food supplies are are basically running out and they're facing starvation. Uh, All they have to eat, Jonathan, are two tins of turnips and a turtle. Now, there are four of I mean, them. Look, there, don't, don't get me wrong. There's lots you can do with two tins of turnips and a turtle, but you need proper <laughs> cooking conditions. Indeed, indeed. Uh, they're also running out of fresh water, so they've been drinking seawater to keep themselves hydrated, which is not a great idea. Uh, but, I mean, it, necessity calls for, for making these decisions. So there's four on the ship. Uh, two of them are Dudley and Stevens. And Dudley and Stevens decide to concoct a plan because they know they're not going to survive if they don't do something radical. And that plan is to kill one of their other crew members and feast on his dead body, basically. And the person they pick is a guy called Parker. Parker is 17 years old. He's the youngest crew member. He's the cabin boy, the most junior person on the ship. So they stab him, they kill him, and over four days, and this is how it's reported, it's graphic language, they feast on his body and it keeps them alive. And lucky for their sakes, but unlucky for Parker, they end up getting rescued. A passing ship passes by, picks them up and brings them to shore. And when they're at shore, they are arrested straight away and brought to court because they have essentially murdered one of their crew members. Or have they? Well, or have they? But, I mean, Parker did not volunteer for this particular role, did he? No, this was all organised behind his back. And unfortunately, he was just the, the, the scapegoat, really, because he was the youngest one. Yeah, um, when when you look at a crime, you have to look at two elements. You have to think of the actus reus, as they say, which is the act of killing. That mm. that's established. They did kill him, but the mens rea, which is the mentality of the person committing the act. Um, so is is that where the defence of necessity comes in? That they were acting out of self preservation, and uh, and not quite self defence, but necessity. Exactly. They were saying that we would have died if we had not eaten. Uh, Parker, if we had not killed him and then feasted on his body. But the court weren't particularly 
it, it, you know, persuaded by this argument because they said that's not necessarily the case. They could, of course, have been saved by a passing ship. And in fact, ultimately, they were saved by a passing ship. So it was not inevitable that they were going to have been killed. And Jonathan, this idea that you would allow someone to take the life of another person to save their own life completely separates law from morality. And, you know, the most immoral thing a person could do is to kill another person. And if the law allows somebody else to kill another person and and get away with it to save their own life, that would be completely disconnecting the law from morality. And that's what the court thought. So, again, if people turned up for the old jury duty, might have thought they were uh, going to sit in on maybe a bit of theft uh, (laughs) and ended up with this case. Uh, how, How did the case play out? Well, ultimately, the jury couldn't make up their minds. The jury were very perplexed by it. So it was appealed on a point of law. And this is what the court said, that uh, ultimately they were uh, murderers and they couldn't rely on a defence like this. And it was unfortunate for poor Parker as well, because Parker was the youngest guy on the boat and they basically picked on the weakest man to kill. Yeah, which would not exactly stand in their favour in the history of the story. Fast forward then to a contemporary Irish case. Thankfully, very, very different subject matter. Mm. Uh, yes, and no death involved in this one. So not no gore or no blood. But uh, an interesting one, and I d- decided to bring this one up in the context of, you know, the, the war in Ukraine and people are discussing Irish neutrality. Um, fast, go, go back about 20 years and the Iraq war was, of course, had commenced. And for many years now, the US Army has used Shannon as a stopover for refueling when they've been uh, going on their various missions to um, the Middle East and, and other uh, parts of the world. So Mary Kelly is a lady from County Clare. She's an anti-war protester and she breaks into Shannon Airport. There's a US military plane sitting on the tarmac there. She has an axe in her hand and she causes damage to the plane. And she's arrested for two things, Jonathan. She's arrested because she's trespassed at the airport and because she's caused criminal damage. It's it's kind of a political uh, act that she's doing here because when she's arrested, she says, I'm, prevent- I'm trying to prevent this plane going to Iraq and to prevent the killing of innocent Iraqi people. Now, the law of uh, criminal damage states that you, you commit the offence of criminal damage if you damage another person's property without a lawful excuse. And a lawful excuse would be protecting your own life or protecting someone else's life. And Mary Kelly says, well, I have a lawful excuse here. And that is the excuse that I'm, I'm protecting the lives of innocent Iraqis who, who could have been uh, killed by uh, the American military and by this plane. Uh, although, as it turns out, this particular plane was not flying directly to Iraq. It was going to Sicily and it was just assisting in the, uh, the war efforts and the, the logistics of the, the war. But she was saying more generally... Uh, I, this is protecting Iraqi people from the uh, military effort against their country. OK, I think we have a little clip from The Time, do we? Yeah, this is uh, Edward Horgan, who was uh, one of the people who gave uh, evidence in the case. I've been in the Middle East, both as a military peacekeeper and promoting democracy on election monitoring. I've seen the wars in the Middle East. I've seen the people killed. My estimate of the number of innocent children killed by US-led wars in the Middle East is somewhere between probably half a million and one million, going back from the first Iraq war in 91 right up to the Iraqi sanctions, which killed almost a quarter of a million, if not more, and it's ongoing as we speak. So obviously a very emotive case, um, th- that that's clear. Um, how did this trial play out? First of all, what level of court was it in? Was it in the district or the circuit court? 
I believe this was in the circuit court and it was in the it was in Kilrush circuit court. So she, there were two charges. There was the trespass charge, which she was found guilty of. She was convicted of that and given a suspended sentence. And then there was this criminal damage charge, her damaging the plane with the axe. And the judge held that there would have to be some kind of immediate threat to the lives of others in order to justify your criminal damage in in this case the damage to the plane and in other words he said there has to be some connection in time and space between mary kelly breaking into the airport damaging the plane and the ultimate harm that would be caused by that plane uh, on the ground in iraq and there are of course as the judge stated you know there's thousands of miles between shannon and iraq and there's um the harm was only going to happen at some undefined future point so the judge said that she couldn't rely on this defense but mary kelly appealed it and went to the high court and there's this saying you're or jonathan you might be familiar with that ignorance of the law is no excuse except if you're a judge and as it turned out uh, mary kelly who was representing herself in the case outsmarted the judge and uh, it turned out that the law hadn't been applied or interpreted correctly at all by the judge um when it comes back to the basis of the law here, can, can you ever justify a criminal act um, by saying it was an act of necessity? In law, there are very clear definitions of, of what is deemed necessary. If somebody was attacking me and my life was in immediate uh, danger, I would be allowed to use lethal force to defend myself. But it's very tricky to try and justify after the event, isn't it? It is. And the law doesn't want to be, how do I put it? The law doesn't want to be too clear or too generous to people to use force because, of course, the the law, going back to the connection between law and morality, the law wants to discourage people from using any force in the first place. So people shouldn't be able to look at the law and plan out violent acts and say, oh, I'll be able to get away with using this much violence. Uh, So the law has to be deliberately kind of vague. But as you said, it's a very high standard. And um, as it turned out in this case, as I said, the judge had misinterpreted the law, had actually forgotten that the law had been changed in 1997. And uh, he had uh, forgotten that there was only a requirement that Mary Kelly believed that in the circumstances, the criminal damage, i.e. the damage to the plane, was necessary. It was not necessary, uh, as he had said in trial, that there had to be this immediate connection between Mm. her damaging the plane and the plane hurting people or, or killing people. Did you say that she represented herself in court? She did, yeah. I think she had the assistance of a a solicitor on this appeal, but initially she she went to court herself. She made the representations in front of court, yeah. Always a risky practice, that, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the, the legal fraternity like to speak to others in the legal fraternity. They don't necessarily like defendants standing up. You, you need to know your onions. <laughs> Certainly you do, uh, Jonathan. And, and whatever about knowledge of the law and knowledge of the substance of the law, there are tomes of, you know, criminal practice and criminal procedure and the rules that have to be followed when you stand up in court and speak and how court proceedings actually play out. So there's hundreds if not thousands of pages uh, devoted to that subject which you'd have to have knowledge of uh, on top of knowing the the law that you're arguing and the case that you're arguing. Uh, Gavin, we we heard what happened to poor Al Parker in the first story. Uh, Did Dudley and Stephen stay behind bars for the rest of their lives? I'd like to think they did considering that their their prior to prison meal was uh, another human being. (laughs) I assume they did. I assume they did, yes. And uh, I'm sure they were 
they were treated to less, uh, yeah, uh, to uh, prison food for the rest of their lives. Well, they should have tried the turnip at least. I mean, I know it sounded <laughs> unappetizing, but they could have done something with it. All right, Gavin Dowd uh, for In Your Defence. Thanks very much for joining us, Gavin. Thank you, Jonathan. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with the all new Nissan Qashqai. Now electrified with mild hybrid power. See Nissan.ie.